audio. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me today is Dr. Bayan Al Shari, who is a hematologist and oncologist at Monument Health Cancer Care Institute here in Rapid City. Uh, it's my first time meeting you, Doctor. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, your. You, you've only been here for for 14 months in the area now, correct? Correct. Yes. That's um, a little bit of a culture shock, I'm assuming, coming from where you were to here. Of Tad? Because uh, <laughs> you I, were in big cities. You were in Detroit and Tampa Bay and, of course, from Jordan. And now you're in Rapid City. <laughs> it's it's definitely different. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the slow uh, pace of life. <laughs> but uh, but I like it. No, That's, I like it here. It's different. Oh, well, it's so, I mean, it's a, it's it's awesome to have you guys here. Now, you, um, you started at uh, the University of Jordan, correct? Um, uh, I was talking to your, your husband, who was, we've had on another podcast, and... Uh, he was telling me how the high schools worked there, which I thought was truly amazing. Was was it the same for you getting into medicine? Is this kind of why you chose it? Yes. Were you top of the class and then you moved on and, and that's how you kind of fell into it? Yeah, yeah, that's how, how it is. You have to score very high at high school exam. It's a, it's a national exam that we all have to sit for the same exam at the end of the high school oh, year. Oh, wow. And uh, whoever scores, I think... Probably the best three uh, percent of <laughs> of the students uh, in the country they can apply for medicine. That's that's how it is. If you do not want to apply to medicine, it's okay. But sure. but you know, um, most of us that uh, we we wanted high scores for mainly for for medicine. So the ones who were shooting for high scores, they wanted medicine. But that's you, how it is. Do you have it in? Um, are, do you come from a family of 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 medicine or? Was this just your path? No, we not in my immediate family. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and we did not uh, have doctors in my family. I'm the oldest among my my siblings, so um, I think after they saw I am a physician, they decided let's not go the, through that, <laughs> that track. <laughs> yeah, no, not not a lot of physicians in my family. Okay, uh, and then like I said, you ended up in was it Detroit first or Tampa? Uh, Detroit. Okay. Yeah. I trained in Detroit uh, for my both my residency and my fellowship. I actually stayed in Detroit. Uh, my husband went to Tampa, and he he uh, had to finish his training there. So I was the visitor in Tampa. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't have to to live there. <laughs> All right. Um, so you chose the path of of oncology, um, and and a, and a term I hadn't heard before was a hematologist, which. Um, it deals with blood disorders, correct? Yes. So uh, was this, w when you were going into these fields to choose these fields, was there a specific reason why you wanted to go into these specifically? Yeah, actually, um, there are a few, few factors that led to me uh, going into oncology. One of the most, um, uh, the biggest factors that I, I actually um, went to oncology for is because I wanted to deal with patients on the more of like to be effective in the patient's life and on the social level more, I love to um, be part of the patient's life and story. Um, oncologists, they they are part of patients' lives. Um, I worked before I come here. That was the the immediate um, 
like the work I did before I, be, I start my residency in internal medicine, I worked with Doctors Without Borders. And um, being with Doctors Without Borders, there was like the, the, the personal level uh, in the interaction with people in general, I was part of their lives. And they were at really hard times during, um, you know, during their life in general. They needed a lot of support. They needed tons of support. It was very difficult for them. It was di for, very difficult for us. Then you're not going in a trauma in your life, but you had to feel with them. Right. And it changed a lot in me and changed in my personality from being a spoiled kid who just had everything that I needed and I would, you know, I would just argue if I don't have the best, like whatever I ask for. Right. Just like anyone who is fortunate enough to have, um, you know, to, to grow comfortable. Uh, but when I worked um, with Doctors Without Borders, I saw people who really go through hard time in life. And then I knew um, how fortunate I am in the really small things. And then I decided that whatever I'm going to do, I I want to be helpful for people who go through tough time in, in their life. After I finished my internal medicine or before I, I finished, I was deciding on fellowship and I went to a rotation. I did not want to do oncology. I did not, I, I did not think of it before. I went into a rotation um, and uh, my program director was an oncologist and we saw just one patient who walked into the clinic and uh, she's in her 30s. She just had to come in to talk about a, an imaging and they, she had a biopsy, breast biopsy. And then she walked out knowing that she has cancer and her cancer is actually advanced cancer. Like he had to tell her that she has actually more than what she thought. She had a stage four disease. So when she walked out of the clinic, her whole life has changed and her whole plan, plans are changed. She was rushing to get out of the clinic because she had plans that day. She didn't realize that it changed her, her life. It was really, you know, something that I stopped there and I'm like, I want to do oncology. I want to be part of the patient's lives to try to help. And that's that's how it is. That's fantastic. That's such a great story. I mean, that's, that's, that's a wonderful reason to get into what you're doing, I think, for sure. Um, well, let's talk about something that, uh, speaking of cancer, which to, to most people, when you're diagnosed with it, it, it probably is one of the lowest points of your life at that point, because there is such a fear with cancer, yes. making incredible strides with it, um, it, it seems. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, um, how it changes. You were saying that if, if you don't keep up with the journals and the articles on a weekly basis, it's happening so fast and you want to stay on top of it all. And one of the um, one of the topics or the topic that we'll talk about is immunotherapy, which I think common normal. I mean, just the, the rest of us have heard the term possibly when it comes to cancers, though, we're more familiar with chemotherapy and radiation. And when I was looking into this a little bit and, and you, you kind of you said that it's not like a new new type of treatment. Mm -hmm. But it's it's coming around to maybe be the treatment, maybe eventually, correct? Yeah, we hope so, actually. Yeah. So it is a big part of the treatment. But, uh, of course, chemo, um, sorry, immunotherapy is not a new term. It's a biological therapy that has been part of treatment of so many diseases. Um, we all um, know about vaccination. Mm -hmm. Vaccination is a is is one way of of using uh, immunotherapy. It changes 
uses our defense system. It uses <coughs> it to to fight infections or to try protect our, our ourselves from infections. Um, treating allergies, tr treating autoimmune diseases, all of those are types of immunotherapy. For cancer, yes, definitely, this is um, uh, a, a field that is advancing really. Um, uh, fast, and it is becoming part of of our treatment. Um, every day, there is a new um, a new use for for chemo for immunotherapy, uh, with or without the chemotherapy or our regular treatments in general. Right. Um, so, like you said, there are different types of immunotherapy. Uh, um, uh, immunotherapy. Um, you know, vaccines. I think is a great example. I think that can put everybody in the mindset of, mm -hmm. of what we're talking about here, because that's what we're we're so familiar with. Um, well, how do you, as as an oncologist, then how do you how do you determine if a patient comes into you and they have let's let's stick with um, like pancreatic cancer, okay, or 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 something that's um, that's that, that's that's one of the more scarier cancers, I think, and and we'll be talking about it in a different podcast uh, with you. Um, does immunotherapy work, and how can you tell if a patient is a good candidate at that point for immunotherapy? So there are multiple uh, multiple factors that I have to decide if they are candidates. The first one is, and the most important, is the type of cancer they have. Right. There are uh, many types of cancer that have been studied, uh, and immunotherapy has been studied there, and it's approved actually because we have evidence that yes, it worked there. It started with melanoma. Melanoma was the the first um, uh, tumor or solid tumor that we used immunotherapy for, and it was studied there. And it really changed the, the, the whole prognosis and outcomes for uh, melanoma patients. And now it's for, for a lot of solid tumors, there are approvals. Unfortunately for the pancreatic cancer that I see a lot in my, in my practice, uh, we still don't have immunotherapy as much uh, involved, except in one case, um, there are types of cancers that, or, or in, in general in cancer, we are moving toward what we call precision oncology, which is treating the cancer according to a genetic fingerprint rather than the type of cancer itself. Doesn't matter of if my patient has an advanced breast cancer, an advanced lung cancer, or pancreatic cancer, if they have a genetic fingerprint that might qualify them for immunotherapy, we have drug approvals for that. We call it a tumor agnostic approval for the immunotherapy, is that if you have certain genetic uh, changes or a genetic syndrome that you, you, that's uh, in your cancer or in, in your, also in your genes, the inherited genes, you might qualify for immunotherapy. So type of cancer is very important. The other part is that I might find it in any type of cancer, even if I don't mention it as the regular approval for, you, for immunotherapy. The other thing is um, the stage of disease. Um, as any kind of treatment, the, uh, the clinical trials and the approvals start in the later stages mm -hmm. of disease. Like we start with the stage four because we want to save more lives. And those are the patients at critical uh, time of their life that, yes, we want to try to get the treatments um, started there. And then if it gets, um, so we have immunotherapy as part of treatment more in later stages of disease. Um, there are a lot of uh, cancers or, or tumors that we are getting immunotherapy to be part of the earlier stages of the disease um, uh, to treat it early and try to give it sometimes in patients who are going for surgery, maybe before surgery, I give chemotherapy and immunotherapy and it might improve my, my outcomes from, from surgery. So this is a very important point. And then one very important thing, like if I tell the patient, 
yes, you, uh, I can use immunotherapy because your tumor stage or because of your genetic fingerprint. And then I sit with the patient and then I just ask them, I want to know more about you. And if my patients are listening, they will know that the first time I, I see them, I'm like, tell me about yourself. I want to know um, what you do, um, what is the other medical problems that you have, um, how, is you, how, how active you are, uh, all of these questions. And that's not b just because I, I want to chat with the patient <laughs> right. for no reason, because I want to know if there is any contraindication to my treatment. Contraindication means that there is a reason for me to say no. I cannot offer you this treatment because it might harm you. There are patients who have autoimmune diseases. Remember, the way immunotherapy works, um, it's either by um, activating our immune system or by suppressing or making it less active in general. The immunotherapy we give mostly in our clinics, it, it overactivates the immune system. So it's, um, we call them the checkpoint inhibitors. Those are part of the immunotherapy treatment. What it does is that it tries to unleash the immune system to see cancer and kill it. When the, the immune system is very, is very active, it might actually get overexcited. So instead of only killing cancer, it might start fighting our own cells. If you already have an autoimmune disease, which is a, an immune disease that will make your body fight its own cells, I might make it worse. Right. So this is a very important factor that maybe we don't, we, we don't um, recognize a, you know, enough, but we have to be very careful. When I offer a patient uh, who has rheumatoid arthritis, who has lupus. That was the example I was going to bring up. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Lupus, um, multiple sclerosis, the neurological disease, all of these, we have to, to weigh risk and benefit. And if I absolutely think that there is an indication for immunotherapy, I have to be very careful when I'm given it. Well, this, okay, here's, this could be the dumbest question of the podcast that I'll ask you right <laughs> now, although you've been, you've been great explaining everything at this point. But if you are using your own immune system why are some why can't it go after every cancer why can't it recognize that okay that's that's a cancer that that it's in your pancreas but i'm your immune system i'm going to take care of it why is it harder for some than others so um it it should it makes sense that if my immune yeah. system is is active it should see everything cancer is smart it's smart in a way that it puts some breaks on our immune cells with certain um, uh, spikes on the cells that can catch the immune cell to, to put it to sleep, I would say, or oh. try to blind it. You don't see cancer if, if the immune cell is, is put to sleep. So if the immunotherapy is given, we try to break, what we are doing, we are breaking this, uh, this connection between the immune cell and the cancer. So there is no more putting to sleep. So we, we are trying to wake it up. It's like, see, there is cancer in, in front of you. And that's what we do. We just prime our immune system to see cancer. There is, a, there is a good chance that when I give immunotherapy for one type of cancer, the it, and there is another type of cancer in the body, it might be killed. Now, we haven't tested this. We don't know if I give immunotherapy for a patient who has, um, let's say, melanoma, and they, they were gonna have breast cancer. Did it kill it or not? We, we did not study this, so we cannot say for sure that's what's gonna happen. 
The other factor is that our, um, in general, if you have a tumor, the tumors are different in their biology of how much um, immune cells are infiltrating that tumor or they are part of it. So our immune system, is it, is it this type? That's why we say there is some genetic changes that might make a difference because if you have certain genetic change, we call it microsatellite instability our immune cells are more sitting inside the tumor. So once I activate them, they are already there. So they're just gonna start killing the tumor, right? So mm -hmm. it just makes it easy. So that's why we have this approval because we know this is one advantage. Now, now there is a lot of research and a lot of approvals on, on immunotherapies that were used while you don't have this genetic change and it's working. So maybe immunotherapy doesn't eventually doesn't need that much of, of of the genetic changes, but it's still, like every day we have an update on uh, new treatments to be used, new type of immunotherapy that is there. Um, I don't think it's it's the end of like how, how many immunotherapies we have. So right. yeah, it might be for every single type of cancer. It might be that if you have more than one cancer, it'll be killed by immunotherapy that I gave for only one of them. I see. Okay. Um, well, let's say, so someone comes in with, say, a breast cancer, right? And you, and they're, 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 uh, they're a candidate for immunotherapy. Can you kind of walk me through what a patient can expect in a regime of this? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's use breast cancer specifically. Yeah. What, what kind of, where does it start and, and what's the process? Yeah. So uh, for breast cancer, there is an indication actually for advanced breast cancer in certain types um, mm -hmm. uh, of breast cancer. Let's say the patient qualifies for immunotherapy. Uh, we uh, Usually we have to know if the immunotherapy will be given as single agent, we call it, or this is the only treatment, the sole treatment the patient is taking, or am I giving it with chemotherapy or anything else? Um, and uh, those treatments are intravenous treatments. Those are in, in the vein, uh, just like taking a blood transfusion. Um, we, uh, If I'm giving only immunotherapy, those are not harmful for our small veins. So I can really give it through a small vein in the arm. We don't need to place any any big uh, port in the in the patient's yeah. uh, chest, but um, and I can use just the, just the arm. Um, if I'm combining this with a chemotherapy, chemotherapy is more, um, it harms the veins, it, mm -hmm. might, it might burst the vein, it might uh, cause some burns or some, some reactions around it. So, and there are some chemotherapies that are not allowed actually to be given through smaller veins. So I have to place a port, uh, which is just a larger catheter um, in the chest that goes to, a, to the larger vein in the chest. Um, so it's safer for us. Uh, so if the patient already has a port, gonna get it there. When you come into the uh, to your treatment, this this happens in the infusion center. So you come in to visit us, you do your blood work at our uh, lab, and then you come and see your doctor. We check your um, um, uh, blood work in general. We wanna make sure that you at baseline, you don't have anything that's alarming because immunotherapy is still a treatment that mm -hmm. I have to make sure that your liver is working well, your uh, kidneys are working well, your um, uh, blood counts and your uh, blood cells in general, including your immune cells are at certain numbers that will tell me there is there is nothing going on in your body that will prevent me from giving you treatment. If everything looks okay, I just, okay your treatment and then you go uh, to the infusion center 
your infusion will be um, 30 to 60 minutes, depending on the type of immunotherapy. And then you go home, you're not, you, you know, you don't have anything that's attached, um, nothing, nothing else. Usually immunotherapies are not the type of treatments that will give you reactions during the treatment. So it's more safe. So yeah. I don't expect you will have allergy, but it happens. Sure. And there are, I think there are like few of the immunotherapies that are reported to cause infusion reactions. So we might give a pre-medication just so mm -hmm. you don't get an allergic reaction in certain types of immunotherapy. But in general, it's an easy treatment to give. Well, how, I mean, this is all has to be super exciting for you as an oncologist. I mean, even in, since you started, has the changes been just immense? Definitely. In, in, in the field that you've done. So do you, can you kind of predict where this is going? Do, do you see, or maybe here's a better question. What are you hoping that this will turn into? Yes. Do you have an idea? Yeah, so the first thing as a treating cancer doctor, I am hoping that it will continue to be part of treatment of more tumors, also at earlier stages. So um, uh, we would like to see immunotherapy part of our treatments, maybe um, in combination with other treatments or replacing other treatments. That will be great if we have it. And then if I want to look into the best scenario that I am hoping this will happen, is the preventative role of immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. I hope that at certain points, patients or people, not, not necessarily patients, people who have higher risk for cancers in general, they might benefit of immunotherapy in the, to prevent development of cancer. This is not happening right now, but I will not be surprised if with, with this um, uh, progress in, our, in yeah. the research, it's going to happen. So Well, like cause you talk, we started this with talking about vaccines to kind of to, to let people, uh, you know, to help on people understand what immunotherapy is. We I mean, there is like HPV that that is almost a cancer vaccine, isn't it? That you can get at when you're, I, I believe, at an early age for for. I mean, they recommended it for, for, for young girls initially, I believed, mm -hmm. and then now for, for, for boys, too, at a certain stage. So that has to be exciting yes. that there's like, they're all, we're almost there. Maybe we'll get that cancer vaccine at some yeah. point. Yeah, because HPV uh, infection, it has some types of HPV that are, uh, they put you at increased risk of cancer. So those vaccines, they actually have the the... the prevention from these types uh, of, oh, of uh, HPV, and um, it, it might protect you from cancer. So yes, this is part of the vaccines being preventative. And that's why, we, yeah, it's recommended, it's in the guidelines, <laughs> and we hope that everyone would, uh, exactly, you know, would yes. just follow these recommendations. Um, I know um, sometimes we we don't want or we don't know the background behind this, but when when these things are recommended and they are in the guidelines, we have really good evidence behind yeah. that that it would be protective. That yeah, that people shouldn't worry at all. I mean, and and like you said, it's recommended. You get it, get it. You know, it, it could save your life, obviously. So to kind of wrap this up with you, doctor. Um, do you have, you know, because like, like I said when we started, you know, when people come with cancer diagnoses, it is super scary. They don't know what to expect, uh, and they come and see you. And what what do you or how can you reassure them with this kind of um, this this therapy? Um, what, what do you like to tell them yeah. when they're sitting in front of you? Yeah. So um, 
I always tell my patients that immunotherapy, if it's part of their treatment, it is a promising treatment. Definitely, we are uh, we are fortunate to have this type of treatment. However, I always tell my patients, let's talk about it. Let's not just say, okay, yeah, my doctor is giving me a great treatment and not know the risks because also, immunotherapy has its own um, uh, side effects or adverse events that we talk about. So I, uh, for patients who are going to discuss immunotherapy with their physicians, whether it's me or any other oncologist, I um, always recommend that they, they talk about, do I qualify for it? Why did I qualify for it? And what are the things I should look for? And then if you have any anything that might be um, a risk for you to get a reaction. Just like I, I said, you have an autoimmune disease, mention it to your doctor. Sometimes we forget to ask. It's, yeah. it's very important and we try not to forget, but at the end we are humans. One <laughs> might forget to ask, to ask right. this, or you might find that this is, I ask you what medical problems you have and you, you just don't think it's significant enough to tell me you have psoriasis. Mm -hmm. You're like, I have a skin disease psoriasis, why would she know about it? Right. Because it is an autoimmune disease. So it's very important for you to tell your doctor about the health conditions you have. Ask your doctor, what should I watch for? And then if you are a patient um, who is already on immunotherapy, um, I I recommend strongly that you watch for, uh, of course, watch for uh, for uh, the, the, the good news that mm -hmm. uh, uh, we hope that when we give immunotherapy and other types of treatment is there is a response to it. That's what we want to know. But also watch for things that you might notice and we might not notice, which are the side effects of immunotherapy. So if you're uh, immune system is overexcited and it decided to to cause some inflammation of the lungs. You might have a shortness of breath, a new one, a cough, a chest tightness. It might happen in your skin and you have a skin rash. Um, you might have a severe diarrhea that uh, you thought it's it's just a stomach bug. And right. no, it might be just the immunotherapy affecting the, the lining of your GI tract. So if you, there is anything out of the norm, uh, I recommend that you tell your doctor about it. And if you go to urgent care or you go to emergency room and you are on immunotherapy, please tell them you are on immunotherapy. It might actually affect the way that they would do the workup and mm -hmm. they do your imaging and, and uh, blood tests, and it might affect the treatment they're giving you. If they don't know about it and you say only I'm on cancer treatment, they just think chemotherapy, low white blood count, fever or infection, right? right? <laughs> but uh, it makes a big difference because if these things happen, we have to treat. We have to catch it early or it might be, it might get worse. And it's treatable if we catch it early. Yeah. So that's my advice to patients is that, yes, it's a great treatment. And I always recommend it if it's indicated for you and if you're the right candidate. But um uh, watch for the things that your doctor doesn't see. And if you do not tell your doctor, and I always tell my patients, I don't feel your body. I, I can't, <laughs> th unfortunately, I don't have right. this, <laughs> uh, this thing. So please tell us so we are able to assess. It might be nothing. And I would rather know 
something that I will tell you, oh, don't worry about it, but not to miss a big thing that I should have known about. Well, after talking with you, uh, we've had a, we'll have an upcoming podcast that we're going to be discussing pancreatic cancer and, and, uh, and, and just knowing that, that you're here and you, you chose Rapid City, um, I think people should be uh, extremely grateful that we have uh, oncologists of your type that are here, that are, that are willing to listen. I, I, I'm so happy that you continued to stress that in the in the podcasts um, that you guys like to sit down and and hear from the people because I think in a lot of instances when people get scared when they come in for cancer is they just want to they want to talk about it a little yeah. bit right yes and they can talk to somebody like you who is going to say look we are going to give everything we've got and you're probably going to be okay. And I think that's what everybody needs to hear. Uh, so Dr. Bian El-Sheree, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. It's I've loved meeting both you and your husband. This has been just a, a great afternoon. Uh, so I hope to have you back sometime and, and we'll talk again, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.